Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Pete Forsey. That's the one speaking. I'm the host of the show. And it is a blistering hot day in the Midwest. I walked outside with Maisie the Hound, who's from Tennessee. She knows all about the heat, but even she's adjusting to this. Man, it is humid. It was like an oven outside today. No better time to come into the AC, fire up the microphone, the software, the uh, the mixer, the laptop, and let's talk ball. Let's talk about things that are going on in the sports world. There's there It's 24-7, 365. There's never a dull moment. And whether it's football, whether it's baseball, I know I want to talk about Dak Prescott, the St. Louis Cardinals, and Albert Poulos, and Jack Flaherty, Tyreek shading his old quarterback. And, uh, of course, Jack Del Rio, I think that was about a week ago from uh, – when the commander's defensive coordinator said some things. There's another thing, though, something different that I want to touch on to begin with. Batting leadoff, let's get to it. It's episode 87 of the podcast. As a kid, my mother would always reserve an hour, or I guess it's 30 minutes because that was the length of the episode. It was always in a 30-minute uh, block of television time for her during the weekdays when no kids, none of me or my siblings or dad were allowed to use the television because that was her window to catch friends on TBS. Maybe it was a different channel. I don't even know back in the day, but it was live that she would watch friends, the final seasons. And of course she used to do this even with cheers. And my father would do it with his television shows because live television used to be the norm. And sports is really the lone episode, lone uh, show, rather, that's out there that you need to catch it live. And there is a value to the live product. Nobody watches reruns, at least not in full, of sporting games, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, whatever. Live. It's happening now. That is the thing. That's why Twitter actually exists probably still, because people talk about sports on their platform. They tweet about it and they get reactions during live games. And I was watching ESPN today. I, uh, I always have it on the background while I'm doing the day gig. And I kept it on after a, a show about uh, Sports Center with baseball. And then it just went into the NHL playoffs. And they were really pushing the NHL playoffs more than typically I think they have talked about NHL in, in the past. Reason being is that they are actually showing the games this year on ESPN Plus, uh, on regular ESPN. They've had NHL games all throughout 2021 and 2022. They are pushing the content on their regular shows. Max Kellerman was talking about NHL. He had an interview with Emily Kaplan, who used to do NFL stuff. Now she's the lead columnist, lead reporter. Don't know the title, but she covers all NHL for ESPN. And it got me thinking that if you're ESPN, if you're Fox, if you want to really own the real estate, own the viewer's eyes, you have got to swallow up every little thing that you can. There's nothing that you're too good for, whether it's NHL, MMA, MLS soccer. If it's a live sport, you got to have interest in it. NHL paid big, or uh, ESPN paid big bucks for NHL. From TNT and TBS. And TBS and Apple, they're taking Major League Baseball games. People are saying that the sport is dying, yet the networks are paying out the wazoo to put the live sports on there. Why? 
it's the only thing left that people watch when it's actually happening. Cheers, friends, sitting down at 8 o'clock. I love Lucy back in the 60s or whatever the hell that was. That's that's a thing of the past. Me and Ms. Taylor, we've been re-watching Better Call Saul because the latest episodes aren't out yet. And then when they actually come out again on July 11th, we'll be able to watch it an hour after it airs because if we're busy eating dinner, we don't have to worry about sitting down at 8 o'clock when it's actually live. Now, some people kind of get excited about it and may plan it out, but if something comes up, you can record it and not have to worry about it. And it just made me think, ESPN, NHL, they're pushing it in front of my eyes. I kind of got some interest in the Colorado Avalanche now, and I know exactly where to find it. It'll be on ESPN as they put it right under my nose. I believe it's been a full week now since Jack Del Rio put out his tweet asking a question about the Capitol January 6, 2021, and why that publicity is so high, but the looting and burning and the unpeaceful protest of the past few years is not gaining and not guarding the attention. And of course, you know, there, there's the radicals that got all up in arms about Del Rio voicing his opinion. And I really didn't have a problem with it. And I don't think anyone can really have a problem with it. Even if Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, ran with it, he did raise questions to it. He had issues with it. But in respect to Florio, he said it's okay. It's Del Rio's opinion and it's his freedom to, to go ahead and state what he had to say. The only issue is what he was fined for. He recalled or he uh, referred to January 6th as a dust-up. Yeah, Jack, you can't really call it dust-up when there's lives that are lost, when there's just horrible, horrible trauma. It's terrorism when it's all said and done. So calling it a dust-up, you should be fine for that. Everything else, I really don't have a problem with. He, He can ask that question. If he wants to put that out on Twitter and his employer, the commandos, commanders, if they're okay with that, then everything's free ball game here. But it's just unbelievable. The reporters, the media that is like furious and mad at Jack Del Rio, even on the radio network in Washington, D.C., the sports channels, not the you know public and uh, political talk, they were pissed at him. There was somebody that said he should be fired, and that is just ridiculous. Jack Del Rio is kind of proving to be a little bit of a nut, and if he wants to you know, be an NFL coach again, a head coach, this is really a bad look for him to do. And that's what I'm really more interested in because he got a raw deal with the Raiders. Essentially, Mark Davis just wanted to hire John Gruden because Gruden finally said he has interest in returning to the NFL. So Del Rio got fired after leading the Raiders to the playoffs in 2016. I'll never forget that year. Week one, goes for it, tie game. Instead of kicking the extra point, or they were down by one, could have tied the game. They went for two and got it, and it set the tone for that entire season. And then Derek Carr got hurt, 2017. Things didn't go their way, but they were still, you know, arrow pointing up, and then he got fired. He has since gone to be a D coordinator in the league, and he was always a a, a respectable coach, but now he's just tweeting out this nonsense. And, you know, I say it with players all the time, why do you have Twitter? Why? There, there is no huge benefit to it. People talk about making money on Twitter and extending your reach and your brand and whatever. 
if you want to do that and monetize it, have somebody else do it. You can log in and approve a tweet, approve a post, whatever, go live for a few seconds. But ultimately, you should have like two, three people that actually run the physical account. There are professionals that do that and that will uphold your privacy and everything that comes with social media. But for you to be on it, have your head buried in that when you're at the office, that was the thing with Del Rio. I'm pretty sure he was doing this when he was at work. It's just like, get that the fuck out of there, man. Focus on your goddamn job, the schematics of defense and the commanders. You guys sucked last year. And with players, I know Jason Winton said it, guys go in at halftime and are looking at their Twitter feeds and their Instagram feeds in their mentions of what people are saying about them. Talk about toxic. I have no idea why some of the stars in the game find it beneficial. To me, it just would bring way more headaches, uh, way more distractions, and ultimately there's just not a huge benefit to it. So I know OTAs down in Dallas are taking place. Mike McCarthy talked about Dak Prescott, the lean, mean fighting machine, Dak Prescott, how his ankle has never been healthier, his diet's never been more cleaned up, and Dak looks great, and you should see more design runs come the fall. Uh, I don't know about that. Why, why would you mess with a good thing? I know Dak has come up short in a lot of areas, this guy's a high-volume passer. I mean, he was on pace in 2020 before the ankle injury to have career numbers and historical numbers for the franchise, and he obviously topped it this year in 2021 uh, when he was back and healthy. Came up short in the playoffs, but the guy knows how to sling the rock pretty doggone well. And when you're making $40 million a year, I'm not paying you to scramble for first downs. I know Josh Allen. He's a dangerous runner, but ultimately that, that's why they came up short in the playoffs. I know 11 seconds KC Chiefs, but they did not have an efficient enough run game to where they could lean on another player to keep Allen fresh. You cannot rely on your quarterback to run you to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he can win you some games over the course of 17. It's still weird saying that. It's 16-game season. They need to drop that 17th game and just go back to 16 in my opinion. But Dak, running, design runs, you're, you're just opening him up to harm's way. Lamar Jackson, you, you got to do that. That's just part of his game, and it, it's the way he's built and the way the team's built. It's You got to do it. Dak Prescott, the guy can make every throw. There, there's not a throw that he's not good at making. Now, there's there's some that he's not excellent at, but there's there it's all on the table with Dak Prescott. And when you're talking about near 5,000 yards, all those touchdowns, Dak Prescott, he needs to be dropped back passing game, and the Cowboys need to be throwing the pill. Jack Flaherty, right-handed pitcher, St. Louis Cardinals. He's going tonight against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, guy's got a lot to prove. He has not really been the high-level elite starter ace, if you want to call it that. I would not. Has not pitched enough innings. That's the biggest thing with me. When calling someone an ace, you got to go deep into games. He's proven that he's got the capability of doing it, but hasn't quite demonstrated it at this point in time. And between the 2020 season, three different injuries to three different parts of his body, calling out the front office earlier this spring, arbitration, social issues, uh, 
uh, Twitter issues. It's just like, th- this guy's got to get back to pitching and pitching at a high level, shoving it down guys' throats. What would Chris Carpenter do? What would Adam Wainwright do? Uh, yeah, nobody else. Bob Gibson, I guess, the late Bob Gibson. Those are the Cardinals pitchers that separate themselves. Flaherty, if you want to be that guy, maybe tap into those cats. Obviously not with Gibson. May he rest in peace. But this is a cat that he could really be a boost to this club, and they're getting good pitching. Miles Michaelis took a no-hitter into the ninth. Man, that was that was great stuff. I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, yeah, some things, you know, just not meant to be. And it's so weird oftentimes. Those no-hitters, they go up until the final out. And the Cardinals pitching overall has been outstanding from a starter's perspective. Uh, even Polante, Michaelis, uh, Wainwright doing his thing. If we can get Michaelis, the Cardinals got to be saying, back into the rotation here, or excuse me, Flaherty rather, man, it's going to be dangerous. And they're in a good spot as is with the lineup and the weak NL Central. They can really lead up to August 2 in the trade deadline and say, you know what, we can really take our time, look at what's out there, and then reinforce our roster, whether it's like a second baseman and a pinch hitter uh, from the left side, a relief arm. We, we don't have to do anything right now because there's no glaring weakness. And we're playing great ball and we're leading the division. Some teams, they got to like reinforce right now just to see if they're a contender. The Cardinals, you know you're going to be a contender. You can take your time and swing some trades in the hours left before the deadline. Flaherty, you could do a lot for this team. Need to do it for yourself as well because your contract's going to be coming up. You got to prove that you are a frontline starter and that you're not going to get injured. Three different injuries to three different parts of your body. Not good. Not good. It's got a lot to prove. It starts tonight at Bush Stadium. Hope is to see Albert Pujols play next Saturday going to Cubs Cardinals. Uh, at Bush Stadium, went earlier this year. It was against the Pirates. He did not play. It was game two of the year. It's going to be cool to see him back in uniform playing at Bush Stadium like I saw for so many years. But I will say, Ali Marmol playing him way too much against right-handed pitchers. Way too much. I saw him yesterday pitching or uh, hitting against the Pirates, and I know they stink, so maybe that was a good matchup. But overall, this is this is not looking good. This is exactly what everybody feared. Do you have the discipline to not play an aging player, an aging star in pool holes. He's excellent. He mashes left-handed pitching. Bats 300, slugs 500. That's a guy you want on your team. He's a useful player. Something that I did not think when they uh, cut him in Anaheim. I thought he might be done. But they are are doing the same thing that Anaheim did, and that's play him every day and play him mind-bogglingly against right-handed pitchers. He's not that good. He can't do it. He has slider bat speed. You need to play him against left-handed pitchers where everything's coming into him. I don't know why they're doing this. This is going to get ugly come August when it's beat-up time, when he's hurt, when he's dinged up, pulled hamstrings, sore back, sore quad, hurt foot. He's got to pump the brakes with this guy. He's got to, I mean, hopefully there's a good amount of rest and hopefully there's a good amount of right-handed starters leading up to the all-star break so he can have an extended period of time off. Because, again, he's useful. You need him late in games, pinch hitter against lefties, or if you got a left-handed starter, which the NL Central, they don't have a lot of them. That's why I said at the beginning of the year, when they were still in spring training, it really doesn't make sense to sign Pujols. It really doesn't. Because you have some 
good batters against right-handed pitchers already. He sucks at that. You do need guys against left-handed left-handed pitchers. He is good at that, but you know, it's it's kind of a you know, it's a very specified thing. I don't like this. They need to rear it back a little bit. I love seeing them play. It's good for the fans. It's good for entertainment. All that. We're talking about winning games, though. It's going to get ugly come second half of the season. So Tyreek Hill went on a podcast, uh, independent podcast. Really neat thing that we get to hear these guys uh, pretty much 24-7. I think it's really cool. They go on these podcasts. They say things. And oftentimes, it's very laid back. It's uh, unvarnished. And he gets something cool to talk about. Tyreek provided that. I think he was an idiot for saying it. But he was throwing shade at Patrick Mahomes saying that Tua Tagovailoa is a more accurate quarterback. There's plenty of statistics to back this up to prove that it is not true. Mahomes is a way better passer, way more accurate, overall more gifted. And I understand he was just saying accuracy. The guy has not played a game with Tua. There are NFL starts from Tua. Again, like the guy, think he's got an okay uh, career ahead of him. I don't know if it's Miami starter, but this simply is not true. He's not more accurate than Mahomes. And Tyreek, you know, half the time, I don't even know with the way he twists his words and half the time I don't even know if it's really like proper English that he's speaking and sometimes he's just not always explicitly saying what it is that he means but why what is with this guy and the criticism of Patrick Mahomes like I thought you guys were boys and it seems ever since he left Kansas City he's just dumping on him and I don't know why they gave him exactly what he wanted which was the opportunity to cash in big reset the wide receiver market in the NFL. It just wasn't with them. They said straight up, yeah, you got a checkered pass. We bet on you when nobody else would. We gave you an extension after the whole thing three years ago. Now you want to raise? We get it. You play well. But no, you, you got to give us a little bit of something. We gave you a lot when a lot of other teams would have let you split. This guy, I, I, just, I don't think he gets it, man. And... You know, I just think this whole thing in South Beach, it's going to head south. I think Mike McDaniel's probably a really bright offensive coach. I think he should be a coordinator like he was in uh, San Francisco. Maybe even should be a head coach in the future, but there's a lot of chips pushing in the middle of the table here. And Tyree's going to be a big part of that. They paid him big dollars, and I feel like he's getting a little loose with what he says and how he thinks he can act. And Miami better be careful. New head coach, inexperienced head coach, rookie quarterback that has a lot to prove. Uh, pass catchers that are pretty good, but also not like excellent offensive line. I don't know. Miami, there, there's a lot of high hopes, but when your star player, your highest paid player is acting like this, it's just a recipe for disaster. And down in South Beach, I think it could go further south. That's going to do it, everybody. It's the podcast, Pete Forsey. Let everybody know wherever they get their podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, we're there, we're everywhere. Hit subscribe, hit review, and let us know what you think. We're going to be tuning in every week, all summer long. It's the podcast, Soundtrack to Summer. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.